This is Inside Outlands. I am your host, Nat Ryle, and joining me today are my co-hosts, Jack Churchill and Ace Mason. What's going on, guys? Good evening. Hey, how are you? And we drug us a special guest, Owen. Thanks for having me. Hey, what's going on? How you doing? I'm good, thanks. I'm excited yeah, about I, everything that's going on. So are we. Holy shit. The developer <laughs> pipeline is awesome. Uh, so we... You you dropped that a couple of days, I think Monday, and uh, good timing for a podcast. So we we got you to straight from the mouth of a developer to go over all this cool shit you guys are working on. Yeah, it was perfect timing to drop in and say hi. We're planning a developer debrief as well, but I figured it would be an all right time to come and chat with you guys and put the developer slant on things. Yeah, this will go out tomorrow on Friday. This is Thursday. I think your debrief is Saturday. Yep. So if you're here, if you listen this Friday, then check out the debrief tomorrow too. Are you getting Luthius on it? No, he's got plans. Uh, <laughs> we tried. He's like, if I was around, I'd stop by, but he's got plans all weekend. So fortunately, not this use time. of his microphone. I know. I know. It just sits there. Does nothing. So if Luthius has plans, that means there's no patch this weekend. That's right. We're going to try to patch tonight, actually. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Got a bunch of fixes. Uh, yeah, let's, on I was going to say, hold on. Let me, let me DM Luthius and see if he can hop on. But never mind. <laughs> no, let him, let, let him work. Let him work. <laughs> Is he going to fix the uh, shelf bug now? Which shelf bug? With the Mastercrafted items turning into oh, I hope so. I hope so. I put that at the top of the, top of the pile for him. We've got a... We have a new goal right now to release a uh, quality of life patch every week. That's sort of small things that Jaden and Vorspire can tackle while Luthius is working on major content like what's listed in the pa- uh, in the pipeline. And I put that to the top of the pile for the quality of life patch. So hopefully we'll start checking off some of these small bugs that have been irritating and ongoing but not really you know, super impactful. So we can look forward to those weekly sort of bug fix patches and small adjustments on a more regular basis yeah we've been working trying to get feedback for these quality of life patches you guys want to work on and and holy crap people just don't get that it, it has to be quick fix quick hitting stuff that you can just like tweak small little things. yeah they're like Here, yeah, here's sure. my new crafting like, system you should put in like no, yeah. no, no, no not that feedback <laughs> no I it's like small attacked. things that a developer can you know is not really familiar with the system as a whole, but can jump into the code and make changes to little, little things. Let's say Nat Ryle, I feel attacked because most of my ideas are big and grandiose. I don't have small <laughs> quality of life changes. I know it's been interesting trying to pull together a list to help you guys out. Uh, we have uh, Ramza who's really ahead of the charge on, on trying to hit all parts of the community and, and dig up like just where, where friction is. Uh, but it's also like a small tweak that you could make probably to, get rid of the friction right we've kind of put maddie in charge of community liaison on those patches so he's listening to sort of the finer details that players are looking for uh, are looking to change and he has his own section in the trello that he keeps up to date and then the developers pull from that for things that they can put out on a weekly basis so far yeah it's been quite productive for us to be organized that way and it's a system we probably should have had in place a long time ago but now there's a lot more hands in the mix that can contribute that way. Yeah. So if you've got a small tweak out there or something you want to see change, I, I would DM, um, you could DM Ramza. He's our kind of 
who's pulling the list for us. Or if you if you want to get a hold of the developer directly, you could you could DM uh, Maddie. And we hear from Ramza directly. He's in our PVM consultation group, so those ideas come to us with a pretty direct ear. Yeah, he's kind of putting together a weekly list is what he's yeah. doing. I was going to say, Owen, you've got a dev team that will rival some indie dev groups now, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot to keep up with, for sure. I, I said a long time ago, you know, not to be pompous, but we put out content and release systems and, you know, built a UO shard that looks like it's run by a, you know, a team that's larger than it really is, or, uh, you know, a $60 million a year gaming studio. But really, it's, you know, there's four of us. You, you almost rival uh, Car Show in the classic UO development team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd love to bring Karacho onto the Outlands team, busy guy. No, you can't do that. No, <laughs> let, let him get uh, classic UO perfect first, please. That'll be a continuous work in progress, but it's been exciting to see it develop the way it has. It's always oh, definitely... lovely when, he, when he, uh, he has to remind people it's only one year old. Yeah. <laughs> I know he messaged me. He's like, I'm taking a vacation. Classic UO's mature. I like the way that he described it that way. You know, there's not really major game-breaking bugs, and it's definitely more stable than it's ever been. Uh, I was going to say, I think all three of us use CUO as pretty much our standard client now. Yeah, I use it exclusively now, too. Once there were a few yeah. things that were annoying me uh, that got fixed or changed, I, I switched exclusively. Yeah, I use it full-time. There's a couple macros I still go back to Steam for, but it's just god-awful when I have to. So, <laughs> I think last I heard, um, Crusher was able to replicate the Steam language, so that'll be something that... I know a lot of players will be looking forward to, uh, but it will also yeah, there was, be something there was that we have control over. There's some more discussion about that today in that Discord, and uh, he's he's coming along. There's just the level that he wants to take it to, and everyone's comfortable with. So we're we're trying to fine tune that, but it's it's coming along. Cool Steam plugin. So I think we should probably just jump into this dev pipeline. I mean, there's a lot to go over. And you've, <laughs> you've given us another giant pipeline of awesome awesome content that's coming that's not even all of it that was just what we were comfortable putting on a pipeline so yeah we we've we've heard all of it or most of it this was all in the uh, in the uh outlands e3 stream you guys <laughs> did uh, yeah. yeah a lot of this was well, a lot of it too we got a sneak peek after our last show when owen popped in here unannounced right, right. and then also yeah, a lot of it IT's kind of trickle feed into chat. So if you pay attention to what's going on in the community, then you'll see that I'm dropping in, you know, map work that I'm doing or, or houses that I'm doing. Unfortunately, I can make maps and houses a lot faster than they can be coded, implemented into a real system. So that tease is sometimes a bit unfair. But Antiquities was a system that we, or that Luthius came up with um, in August. I was, I was on vacation and he messaged me. He's like, I've got this idea. You know, people have been... You know, looking for a reason to hunt or they want more achievements and, you know, more systems to work towards, more reason to get in the dungeons. And he's like, what about something like this? And he sent me a concept. He already had the gumps made. Let's do that. That sounds great. So it's just been a matter of fine tuning exactly what that system looks like, uh, literally looks like in terms of the visuals and the items that players will be hunting for. But we also thought that Antiquities was a great opportunity for us to marry the opening of Ossuary 4 with a broader system. Uh, I'm not going to spoil too much of that because the Ossuary 4 opening is kind of um, long-winded, I guess, but it will tie into the Antiquity system. should be a, a fun way to get people back into dungeons. 
Yeah, this system looks really cool. And you've mentioned some of the the visuals, the items, and stuff. Where where did some of this art come from? Was this I know Eric Gray's working on some art. Is this some of his stuff, or is this all stuff that you've scoured and created, or where did where does this come from? A lot of this is official UO art that's come in later years. Um, recently, they've been they seem to have found an artist that can marry the original UO style. So that a lot of that is from the actual game. Um, I've also connected recently with the development team at a German role-playing shard called Seven Winds, which I guess is Seven Winds um, in English, and they have been working on this shard for for years, like 15 years. And there's 15 years of art there, and I connected with them and asked if we could use some of their things. And the reason why I reached out is because I was looking through their art files, and I saw that they had taken some of the art that I had made. And I hadn't heard from them and so they didn't ask permission per se. So I wrote and said, like, hey, I saw some of my stuff in your files. Would you mind if we used your stuff? And they said, absolutely. Like, there's no point in concealing this stuff at this point in Ultima Online's lifespan if people aren't going to be able to see it. So a bit of that's from them. And then at one point, there was an artist who was working on a project called Landfall. And he came in kind of hot and heavy in the UO community. And then he disappeared but I grabbed all of the artwork that he did that he'd released in packs. Um, I became a Patreon of his at that point and we patch in all of that art. Anyway, it's just a, a major sort of edit of art that we have that we think people would like in their homes or to use as deco or to collect, but also keeping in mind art that we need for, you know, utilities for upcoming systems or um, patches like a home deco patch for the prevailing merchant and things like that. This is the, yeah, the I like broken these, down version of that. I like these so, heads on a spike. Yeah, yeah that was uh, a official UO art. I think it was a Halloween patch at some point. Yeah, I saw the orcs were going crazy about that in their channels. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> you actually answered my big question. I see all these weapons here. Are they going to be usable? But you just said they're going to be house art. So yeah, that's this, cool. this is deco um, visual stuff you know we've seen how crazy people go for the boss rares and how coveted those are and this will be rarer on a scale beyond that so people are looking you know if you're getting these rares you're adding them to your manifest and you're completing the system but it will also be a new economy of rare trade and you know rare hunting so speaking of manifest can you give us a quick breakdown so these are going to be all different ways to get them right ships and crafting and, and chests and stuff so once yep. you get them there's you can register them and then there's a manifest and then they're deco and how, how do all these things work together so you'll buy your manifest probably from the archaeological society in cambria and it's a physical document sort of like um a tomb of heroism and it will show every page and have the items displayed and when you unlock it it will show in your book so when you register it if you register it first you'll get the server first for that and if not it will show you the date that you did it and as you work through the completion of your manifest you'll have those items those physical items left as deco for you to leave in your house so let's say you have insanely good luck and you get two that you can register it says you can only register one would you be able to get the second item to be able to sell per se yeah, it's a physical item that drops as loot. So these items will be dropping on mobs and then you can add it to your manifest or you can sell it or you can trade it or, or do whatever you like with it. Keep it on display. That is Yeah, this stuff is very cool. 
Uh, although it is, I guess it is just rare loot. Rare loot with not tied to uh, like the power progression, but that's kind of cool too, because it's cool right. loot that's not that's not power creep. Yeah, it keeps it a little more open ended. Um, Outlands hasn't really seen many loot changes in its lifespan. You know, we're coming up on a year, and we haven't added anything. You know, no new drops, and nothing's really. You know, just the just the one weekend of yeah, the one weekend of amazing uh, magic item drops that I was unfortunately yeah. unable to farm that weekend. Right, and we've adjusted a few things. You know, treasure map loot was a little high, and you know things have changed in that regard. But no new items have dropped, so this is an opportunity for us to, instead of just randomly adding new item drops, we decided to build a system around rare item drops. And so has this kind of stemmed from, because I know I've seen a lot in suggestions and stuff, people want like the Doom style, stealable rare, stuff like that. Is this kind of your guys' take on that type of system? No, not necessarily. I think that's a whole other can of worms that we could tackle in a different way. This is really just a way to utilize some of the amazing art that we have and, and give people more options with home deco and trade and create an economy in that sense. And when you see or hear more about Ossuary 4, you'll know um, how this all kind of ties together. And that is sort of the big release for this one. Well, speaking of Ossuary yeah. 4, that's actually next on the list. It is next on the list. And that, this is my favorite dungeon. It's my favorite art. It has the coolest scenes you've created, the coolest story. I fucking love this dungeon. So Ossuary 4 is going to be, I don't know, I can't wait. The only thing it, four is going to be a bitch with three one-tile bridges. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, the only thing it doesn't have <laughs> is the boulder trap from Darkmire. That's my absolute favorite part of the entire game. <laughs> yeah, put it on the three one-tile bridges, please. I would love you. We were well. There's going to be a trap there too, just to make that more treacherous. Awesome. Uh, we were just talking about traps last night. Luthius has his first round of creature code done for Ossuary Four, so it's not. As far off as so I mean, I've been teasing this for a long time. <laughs> no, I Osweary Four was like the myth that no one thought would ever happen, and now it's coming along. The PvP patch took a lot of wind out of our sails, and it exhausted us in many ways. And um, Luthius really likes to work on PVM content, so for him to be able to get back into it, he really just like churns through it. He's a madman. It's quick, and um, he's going to be presenting sort of first round of creature concepts for staff tonight, and then we'll be able to offer feedback and get that into testing soon. So. We really don't want any of Ossuary 4 to be soloable. Um, we're really keeping PVMers in mind for this. It's, you know, we're, we're largely just going to ignore what PVPers say about monsters being too strong or, you know, killing them or whatever it might be. Ossuary 4 is meant to be the most challenging dungeon content that we have. And I think largely Outlands has a bit of a power creep issue in terms of the aspect system and also the chain system now, which is great because it's given people something to work towards. But the dungeons and the monster content hasn't really evolved with that. And I think levels 1, level 2 are largely underused in dungeons and level 3... For the most part, people are just saying that Cavernum is the only challenge that they find in terms of hunting in a group. So we're taking that on board, and we've listened to that feedback, and, and we're making Osprey 4 into a challenging group experience. That's our goal with it, for sure. So we're largely trying to avoid things that are annoying 
Um, I know that a lot of like stun and freeze and trap and those sorts of things aren't really fun to play in. You know, the, the idea of it is interesting that you're interacting with the world in that way and that you're affected by monsters in that way, but I don't think that that's really fun. And a lot of the monsters in Outlands have done that historically, and I think that the general direction of Ossuary 4 is that it's going to be high HP monsters that take longer to take down and deal considerable damage, but also have some new attacks and new methods of messing with players or, you know, making that a challenge. Uh, It definitely has to be worthwhile for players to go there and the loot has to be worthwhile for you to group up and the content has to be engaging and interesting, but we're going to try to not make that annoying, if that makes sense. So you're going to try and avoid the Nogalids and Cavernam that pin you to the ground so that the Reds can kill you. Right. Or the Blues can kill the Reds. I've seen that more often, actually. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, I've said this. I've like pushed for these. Yeah, or the Omni. Exactly. I've pushed for this direction. Um, so we'll see as Creature Review comes through with Luthius what exactly he's working on. I know that there will also be some new high end tameables, whether that's five slot pets, which I think would be an interesting addition, or also just high level pets that are added into the mix that meet or reach the general meta of pets that are currently in use. So players can look forward to that as well. That's one thing I I did want to ask you about regarding tameables, and I don't know how far down that line you guys have kind of traveled, but are are we thinking, or are we going to see all these new tameables in Ossuary or in Ossuary 4, or are we going to spread them across the world, but they're just going to be implemented in this patch? Well, I think that Ossuary 4 is definitely an opportunity for us to add new tameables in a dungeon, so... We'll definitely see that. Um, also, when I built the Palma 3 expansion, that was spawned with monsters that were already created and in existence. And the idea for that was that we'd add new monsters too. So, Like the Blue Flame Purger and the Otiug, or however you pronounce it. Exactly. So those will be filtered into Palma when they're ready as well. And nice. then we're looking at other dungeon expansions too. Um, Nucero 3 definitely needs some room. And I think that Inferno could use an additional, more difficult level. Not necessarily something huge, but something more interesting. And then we'll see more tameables there. That'd be awesome. You're saying you want to do group non-solable. Have you guys thought about how you're going to avoid the, you know, five-minute bards that can piece something for the rest of its life? Yeah, we've been looking at barding in general. I'm not going to really speak to that because I don't know exactly where we're going to land on that in terms of our final direction. Um, I know right now watching a group take down a boss in three minutes and having it never do an attack because it's peace the entire time is really depressing to see. And I, I don't think that's fun for anybody. Like maybe it is fun if you're just doing it and you're, you know, getting the loot and that's all you care about, but there's no real engagement there in terms of boss difficulty or monster difficulty. And I think that we could make some reasonable adjustments in that sense and maybe parlay some of what we're doing in Osprey 4 to content throughout the shard. I was going to say, as someone who's led a guild that's, you know, killed a, a main boss in one piece duration through yeah, that's rocks depressing. and everything, <laughs> it, it's impressive. And it's like, wow, we just did that. And then it's like, okay, now what? We didn't actually do anything except stand here and kill the boss. So I'm. You know, uh, yes, it's fun getting free loot like that, but you also want to have fun. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think that we're seeing that the scope creeps exceeding the difficulty value of these things. I mean, there's... Yeah, we had... Sorry, go ahead. No, you... <laughs> I was just kind of chiming in on, on what Jack just said. I mean, we had, what, U-Path, New, BB, CFC. Like, we were just cracking up at how quick we took down... What boss did we do? Uh, Cavern Am, right? Cav Main, yeah. And, it, I mean, it was it was fun and funny... But then we were like, okay, now, now what do we do? We, that was three minutes. I, I, I took longer to get to the boss than to actually kill it. Um, so one thing I've suggested to Ramza, and he's fed back, and I don't. I'm going to talk about it here. What about groups of like three to five mobs that pull at the same time, and one of them breaks peace, and two of them do extra damage to pets? We have to tank with a warrior. Things like that. Is that in the works, maybe? Yeah, I think those sorts of mechanics are things that will make this dungeon more interesting. I'd like to see, like, a a snake that you kill and a hundred baby snakes come out of it, and those snakes only attack pets. You know, that sort of extra layer of monster AI and, and interaction that makes the dungeon challenging, but also the reward would be worth that hassle not necessarily you being stuck it's just you know you're bombarded with things or, or you really need to manage your pets or you really need to work in a group so that you have you know a dedicated healer and a dedicated bard and a dedicated tank and a dedicated tamer etc cetera, etc cetera. so yeah i think that's definitely the way we're approaching this content that's awesome i like it i like the shared hp pool idea like uh palma main even though i hate that boss because of past events but <laughs> past, but it's fixed now, right? Past bugs. Oh no, it's not just the loot bug that part of the term PTSD. Yeah, and, and that boss is linked, right? Like the snakes are linked. Yeah, the three three bodies act as one with one health pool. Yeah, you could do something similar here in Ostrary. Uh So you you have all this extra hard content, um, and this really challenging content for groups and kind of end game stuff here, and, and sounds like maybe even tweaks to bosses to. Uh, but what about all the power creep and, and like a new player coming to the shard who hasn't been here a year? It doesn't have T12 and chains. Are you going to have any kind of like uh, catch up mechanic in the future or how about those that, all that have been here a year and still don't have T12? <laughs> yeah. No, I just got my T7 shadow. So that tells you how fast I progress. I pretty much like I only level in, in groups. I don't go play solo. I yeah. personally don't think that UO lends itself to a catch-up mechanic. I think one reason why we're not incorporating veteran rewards is because that alienates players who feel like they'll never get something that's possible. We currently don't have anything that's unobtainable. You know, if you work hard enough or you join a guild or, you know, you make friends with a rich player, then you can progress at a decent rate. It's really just how much time you're willing to spend playing the game. So I think one of the things that's not in the dev or this uh, pipeline, but Luthius or you, I can't remember, one of you teased the new party system with the shared XP. That alone is a huge catch-up mechanic that's going to be baked in, so that way you don't have, you know, the tier 1 void warrior going up and smacking something for 10 damage while your T12 shadow archer destroys it in one shot after the bard discos it. Right. Yeah, I think the, the new party system is is one method that players could get a leg up, for sure. That alone will help immensely, and it will 
it lends itself to, hey, let's group with these new people. We had someone in BB today take out a bunch of relatively new players to the game even and just took them in the cab and said, here, let's go. I'm going to piece it. You go smack it. Yeah, then they went to Aegis and all, all died. Yeah, well, <laughs> Aegis, main, Aegis Mini was up and was called out in all the different channels, so yeah. Yeah, we tried to warn him not to go to Aegis, but Reds rolled through. <laughs> yeah, not, you know, that's a, that's a great mechanic, and you see it with in other games where, you know, when you grouped up with higher-level players up to a certain extent, and you could get that accelerated XP gain, and they could help you level and help you progress through the game. So I think bringing something like that into outlands is is a huge deal um i think the world of warcraft just added, together. world of warcraft just added party sync as well which will automatically level you up to the highest level of the person in your party yeah that was yeah, a lot of, x pack or two ago yeah right so so is that for like doing raids so you can all go in as like top tier yeah. level of whatever yeah. yeah raids or dungeons and even uh we also have people the, like to play together they don't like to they don't like for the game to provide friction when they want to, you know, hang out and play together. Right. We also have the new player system experience sort of umbrella patch that will be coming in. And that will allow new players to sort of cycle through existing templates or templates that prove popular on Outlands and choose them and then be boosted to that level. Um, we haven't exactly figured out to what point and we'll probably get you to 70 skills since that takes about 10 minutes in the new player dungeon anyway. So that'll give you a leg up into the world, you know, for players who are coming in, they've never heard of what a, you know, hamstring Halley mage is. Then we'll have that template listed and we'll, you'll be able to choose it and then head to the wiki and see why you would use it, what your utility is, what the benefit of this template is, and then jump into the world that way. Is there going to be like a, a playthrough tutorial on top of the system? I, I want to say yeah. when I started UO, like there was like a little tunnel they took you down to kind of get you used to the controls and stuff. But it's been shit, what twenty twenty years now, so I can't really remember. Yeah, I say that, I th- that what that wasn't in when I started back in OSI beta. That might have been added in T two A time frame. I think there was always the Haven tutorial where you could go around and talk to an NPC and they would tell you a bit about the game and. That's something that I've always wanted to incorporate. It's something that I wanted to incorporate before we launched. But I think the we definitely have players that have never played UO before and people find us who have never played UO before. But they're very few and far between in terms of the other players that are joining us who already know the basics. But I think if we could present like a player manual in a more engaging way, then that might be utilized by people who are new to the game and could potentially capture an audience who's never played UO before. So that's something that we want to incorporate in the new player patch, as well yeah. as a companion system, because we have a lot of players who I think would be wonderful, you know, welcoming committees or being able to hop around from young player to young player to say, like, hi, welcome to Outlands. You know, are you struggling with anything or do you need any help or can I help you find any gear? And we've made sort of a clubhouse for them in Shelter Island where they can sit and wait or we'll give them the ability to jump around to young players which are obviously only on Shelter Island or in the new player dungeon, so it's not really an advantage of any stretch. But that sort of thing, you know, we don't have the opportunity to say, you know, hey, welcome to Outlands, but we could employ, air quotes, a force of players to do that for us. So two things. One, I know Nat, Nat Ryle and I have made some of the new player videos. Um, we need to finish them because we both get distracted by shiny objects. Um <laughs> 
to squirrel. Yes, very squirrel. Uh, to yep. the uh, counselors, I guess you would call it the new player guides. Are you going to reach out to people for that, or are you looking for volunteers, or how is that going to work? Yeah, we'll be looking for volunteers for the most part. Uh, I have there's probably five or six people that have reached out to say like I'd be willing to do that, or if you have a system like this. I'd like to do it, or I've done this on another shard. I'm happy to help you here. And we'll definitely be going back to them to say, we've got this system ready. We'd love for you to help us out. So when they listen to this podcast, do you want them to message you or Madi? Yeah, they can message me, absolutely. Uh, We'll get a list going of people, potential candidates. So we're ready to activate them when that system's ready. I said this the other day, it's never too late to to put in a proper new player experience, even, even if that's a small, very small percentage. It's still... Retaining players is, is, is important, and you might you might find some vets come back that just like man, I just don't remember anything, and without even onboarding those guys at least a little bit, you might lose them. That's yeah, how it was for me. So yeah, Owen, I'll I'll volunteer. Sure, great. I mean, you've got your hands full running your guild, but if you ever want, yeah, that, it runs itself. Island Shelter Island, let me know. I let Nat Ryland, Shadowstone, and the rest of them do all that. <laughs> All He's delegation. just a pretty face. I'm not even a pretty face. <laughs> I got a face for radio. What are you talking about? That's why we do podcasts, right? All right. So next up on here is mount breeding, which I know <laughs> I know you're a, a fan of Owen. Uh, this actually looks <laughs> pretty cool. Uh, it looks. It reminds me a lot of the plant system, the the plant thing we got in the game. For sure, um, mount breedings are only undelivered promise from beta we launched the shard with all of these you know grandiose systems and and the package deal and mount breeding was left out it was something that i came up with and force fed to luthius and said please do this this is going to be great the whole way that the mounts are spawning on this shard feeds into all of this and it'll be it'll be fun people will love it they'll lap it up and I think that the way we've seen the way that people love the plant system and I think that mount breeding is it it will be similar in that sense that people have to look after something they're going to check on it it's going to take time they'll be working on it and working towards a goal the original plant system which Luthius killed um, had a way to breed plants together and you ended up with certain colors and then the darker the plant the rarer it was so the goal was to work towards like a solid black plant which was weird, but it was rare and a goal nonetheless. So we've taken that principle and applied it to mounts, and I think that it's I think that it's going to be popular. Oh, and I know at one point there was floating around the hue chart with all all of them. Is that still out there somewhere? And is that still yeah. the 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 goal hues? Yep, that's that's exactly those. Luthius followed my instructions to a T, so it's exactly like that. Yeah, we had all these screenshots in beta. Uh, yeah. A lot of similar comps, and I thought it was coming, because I was like the last thing you had to put in. Yeah, didn't happen. So finally, after a year, we'll fulfill our beta promise, and uh, mount breeding will come. So basically, what's going to happen is every mount that spawns in the wild will have a gender assigned to it and a fertility value, and then you'll be able to breed them together and work towards darker hues, and then ultimately a rare hue. And as the hues progress to a darker hue, the rarity increases. So the darker the mount, the rarer it is. 
and breeding together two darker mounts gives you a higher chance of getting a further darker mount or a rare hued mount. So people will be mixing and matching and breeding and monitoring their troughs to uh, to get to a darker hue. Now there's there's no stats involved, nothing to improve your mount. It's just strictly hues, correct? Yeah, fertility plays a role. Um, so you'll want to find fertile mounts in the wild, and then they'll lose fertility as they're bred, so you can only breed them a limited time. So there won't be like a, an endless amount of you know rare hue crossed with a rare hue to just endlessly produce rare hues and make millions because those mounts will become infertile. So you'll have to continue working on your stock and, and keeping your stable fresh. Yeah, the, the two games I have experience with mount breeding are Worm Online and Mortal Online, but both those come with fast in-game advantages with a properly bred mount, and they take months to work through. This here right. is kind of, it's like a deco thing. Yeah, it's a deco thing for sure. I think right now, well, I don't think right now, I definitely know right now that the only mounts that are spawning in the world are the, the palest ones. And the shards only had those for the year. So I think adding more variety in terms of what's spawning for mounts, or not what's spawning, but what's available for mounts through the mount breeding system will definitely be popular with players. So if you want to oh, work yeah. towards your darkest black horse, then having that and achieving that and landing on that rare goal will definitely be you know, saleable or popular or, or make you look like a really cool bank sitter. And you know UO players love as dark as you can get for everything. That's why everyone wants the pure black dye tubs and everything else. Yeah, exactly. So we've employed that idea of darkest being most popular and, and for what players will work towards. To give uh, listeners of the podcast a little leg up, are there any special skills needed? Like for plants, I think you need taste ID and something else. Yeah, we were discussing this in staff chat the other night, and I think that it should be skill-based. I think you should at least have to have taming and lore in veterinary to initiate a breed. Um, Luthies hadn't coded it that way, but I think that it's important that we give tamers this this activity. We'll yeah, see that where that sense. lands. But I think that you should have those three skills. Please no vet. I'm about to drop mine for other <laughs> skills. <laughs> no, yes, vet. Get rid of the glass cannon mage tamers. <laughs> Makes sense that you have to be a veterinarian to birth a ostard. <laughs> well, do they now are ostards live birth or are they eggs? Never mind. Uh, that's a philosophical question. I'm not sure. <laughs> what came? What came first? <laughs> All right. On that note, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm excited about it. I think I think it'll be fun. Um, something for people to do in their houses. We'll also have um, house pets. Now, so you can have a little familiar that wanders around your house and hopefully have house pet dyes so you can make them powder pistachio if you want to and just extra extra layers of Tamagotchi here. I actually, went on, I actually went on Test Center and tried to... I tamed a cat on my <laughs> Dexer and then dropped taming and lore to see if I could have the cat follow me around and no dice. I was really upset. Yeah, that would been cool. Can you please put in ferrets? I want a ferret in my house. We have small models of most of the mounts and like miniature cows and things like that. So, oh wow, crazy! I want that triceratops too. Uh. <laughs> that was a that was a statue, but that'd be cool wandering around your house. Perfect. I'll see what I can convince Luthius of. All right. Next up is uh, Stigian yes. Rift, uh, which I know a lot of us are very excited about. This is the Albion Online uh, mechanic. We're kind of aping for. 
Outlands? Yeah, Stygian Rifts is a system that I think is going to come in at the perfect time. Um, there's a lot of group content on Outlands, and I know a lot of people are frustrated with you know the quote-unquote Zerg systems that we have, which basically allow the largest group to win and you know, not to deny that of an MMO because that's the point is that you're playing with friends and that's always the way it's going to work. But I think that adding some instance content that has a set number of players is a novel approach to content on Outlands at this point. I was going to say, I, I, what's wrong with large groups? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is cool. 2v2, 3v3, 4v4, 5v5, etc. Um, where you come into like an arena and it's going to mix PVM and PVP. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, like, do you, do you bring your team somewhere and it teleports you in? Or, or do they like spawn throughout the world? Do you have to rush to them? I think entry, entry into this system is the biggest hurdle that we have to figure out. Um, the... <laughs> working idea which will probably change so don't hold me to this is that there will be some destructible static around the map and the group that does the most damage to it is the group that enters into the rift so if you imagine like a meteor striking the map there's a giant boulder and it has 10,000 hp the players who do the most damage to it are the ones that get to enter into the rift and then they can select their team that comes with them Oh, I'm not sure how else to do this in a fair way, but if you know two meteors hit at known locations, then groups go and they fight over the meteor and they attack the meteor, or they defend the meteor, whatever's going on, do a certain amount of damage, then they get to enter into the rift. I know in, in Albion, the rift's just open and it's announced and it's fought over and it's basically whoever enters into the gate first. And I don't think much was done with contesting in terms of that, um, I think it's an opportunity to create some conflict before you enter into the rift if we do go that route. Otherwise, you know, thematically, I don't know if, you know, random moon gates opening up is as interesting as creating conflict on the map. I'm often accused of being bloodlusty, but I think that it conflict is entertaining for groups that want to partake in conflict. But it's player interaction. Player interaction. See, I'll go the opposite direction and say I think this would be a really neat to be like a, a queue system almost. You pick your team. That way you're going up against another team when you're ready. And you can really pick and choose who's going instead of, okay, we've got four people available. Let's grab one pug. I can see both sides for sure. I think it, but also it's not something that we want to have happen too frequently. Because we have so much other content going on, like literally every hour there's a PvP event if you want it, plus bosses, plus natural spawns, plus plus. So I think at most it would happen, you know, two or four times a day. And I think the other key part of it is how we end up scoring things. I think each player will have to have an individual ranking and then depending on if you beat them or you lose to them will alter your score, kind of like an ELO system, so that there's you know a reason to challenge or you know a more of a reward to beat a powerful team um obviously we can't know exactly the you know, like make creating individual teams as an identity like saying you know the three of you are on a team you're not always going to be there together so i think it has to be broken down by individual players so the 
composite score of the three of you makes up your total team value. And then depending on who wins the event, the score is factored out that way. Anyway, we have a few details to work out of how this will shake down, but the bones are there based on the framework that Albion laid out for Hellgates in that two teams are competing against each other. You're knocking out bosses as you go. Loot is stored and delivered to the team that wins. You have to kill your opponents. That's Yeah, see, that sounds... Uh, this sounds like something that would be one of my favorite things, and I'm just concerned. This is a personal concern, and maybe it's invalid, and it's just me complaining to complain. I don't have as much playtime as many others, and... Maybe I won't be on for a spawn for weeks or months, and I wouldn't ever get to uh, do this content. Right. I think that that's the general consensus, and it's why we schedule the PvP events, so that people know when they can play. If you want to play a town struggle, you know what happens then. Um, whereas, you know, shrines are pretty popular, and people attend them, and they happen randomly, and I think that the Stygian Rift system is something that could fit into a random schedule. You know, people play random events and they like the sandbox aspect of that. And it's exciting to, you know, get your group together and rush towards something if it's occurring. So yeah, that's, I mean, those are valid points for us to consider. I think entry is the main, the main thing that we have to figure out and how to make that work sphere. I think shrines are a little divisive. I mean, people love doing them. Um, just looking at the the past week of shrines, the times were just odd, you know. And and I understand there's lots of time zones that <laughs> you got to cover, but um, I don't think I've I would have made it for one in the past six days. And I know yeah, they've a couple been they've people. been weird. That's part of um, that's a change in the coming patch. Actually, we're going to be doing two shrines a day, so one will happen between midnight and noon, and the other from noon to midnight, so that you're at least guaranteed it in you know, one part of the day. That'll be a, a change that hopefully accommodates more of our player base. Yeah, I like right. that. Yeah, shrines, though, are, you can do that solo or as a large group. You have the reds that raid. It's a different randomness than the rifts should seem that seems like it'd be a different randomness than the rifts would be. Yeah, I think that the decision rifts will be popular and fun. Like, I mean, I'm hopeful that they will be, but if we give people access to it, it's all they'll end up doing, which ultimately takes people out of the world and it, you know, draws them out of the ecology of the world, which is something that we've worked hard to create. Um, you know, we're just starting to see organic PvP happen and these events are spurring on rivalries and conflict and the new seasonal leaderboards are getting people out and active again. So introducing instance content and then giving people free access to it seems a bit counterintuitive at that at that point uh, i think it has to be i don't know we'll we'll see where we land on this or, or what the best approach will be you know i can appreciate that and that makes sense well, I'm, gl- I'm glad to hear you know that people are getting out and, and engaging in pvp organically because you know one thing i've always kind of thought to be true in UOs, PvPers really don't like to PvP. They just yeah. want to <laughs> fight each other in an arena or do duel or whatever, and then they say, I'm the best PvPer. Like, you're not even playing UO. You're playing a, an arcade game. You're playing Mortal Kombat in the UO engine, right? Like, 
So it, it's kind of funny, and obviously you guys can see behind the scenes and teleport around and see all this going on. So it's it's exciting to hear people are getting out and organically PvPing. It's definitely not as frequent as it might have been, you know, 15 years ago when people went out searching for fights or looking for engagement. But there's definitely more going on right now than there has been in some time. Uh, I saw a quote in PvP chat yesterday, and it was like, UO players are so funny, you know, they cry for for competition and then as soon as competition comes they leave so like we had some really you know high profile and competitive groups when we launched and they didn't have any rivalry to find and outlands launched without pvp content in place a misstep on our part and trying to recapture that continue to work towards i think it's it's hard too when you have a lot of people that want to play the launch of the game right they want to go out and grind out a character and they want to earn their stuff and they want to build up their collection and then some of us go in pvp and that's how we like to enjoy the game there's right. other groups that come in and they just want to pk in pvp and they say they're the best and no one's rising up and then they quit well half of us don't even have a finished character yet <laughs> right yeah no and then people just come in to chat and talk shit even though they don't play the game anymore <laughs> seems to be the way it goes oh yeah that's a that's an age-old problem <laughs> yeah yeah I think the biggest thing with this rifts, Sigean rifts, is it really encourages to get away from the glass cannon templates, and everyone is going to have to be PvP capable, but you don't want right. to run in with five Halley Mages because the mobs will destroy you. It, right. That's exactly. what's got me so excited about it. Yeah, it's a well rounded system in that sense. And also, we've talked about limiting follower count per team and like five follower max. Before the pet rebalance, it would have just been tamer, like three tamers versus three tamers, especially because tamers will be potentially the ones doing the most damage with their pets or if that's the approach that we take. So that's a, a fine-tuned balance approach as well. I, I'm less concerned about it now being tamer versus tamer or a team bringing a tamer in and then just doing stupid amounts of damage because we've mitigated that finally. Are there more tamer tweaks coming or do you guys feel like you've uh, found the sweet spot? I think we found a sweet spot for sure. I think we'll be looking at pets individually, trying to make them more useful or to encourage more you know, broad use of pets. I think that summoners need to be looked at as well because they've basically been erased as a class. But I think that in general, pets are in a good spot. It's It depends on who you ask. You know, If you ask a tamer, they say they're useless. If you ask a PvP tamer, they're in a good spot. If you ask a you know, PK who's attacking tamers, they say they're OP. So it's a, uh, in that sense, it sounds good. <laughs> I think it's yeah. like everybody's, everybody's happily unhappy. Uh, <laughs> Perfect <laughs> compromise, right? Yeah. I, I know I came across a red today and my pets did like 10 damage to him. I was really disappointed and had my <laughs> Phoenix out and I was like, what the fuck is this? I hate you, Owen. It's definitely See, better, I've, better than it was. I've had to go fight a tamer before and, Still got, it wasn't two shot, but it was four or five shots, and I was on a archer tank mage, and I'm like, oh, tamers are so OP, huh? <laughs> so I, it, I think it's in a good balance. I don't, I've got a 105 tamer, I don't have a 120 tamer, because honestly, pets bore me. I think historically, we go into something gung-ho, and then we pendulum the other way in terms of a balance that's a little far and then we land in a good spot. And I think we're at the good spot right now. But yeah, yeah. I think so. I think yeah, there's I like constant that. 
revision to be I had, but I don't to feedback. Yeah, I don't foresee another major a major a major patch for pets. You know, we're not going to do anything drastic. We just, we've just some scalar a, changes, maybe or something. Please. Yeah, yeah, and looking at some pets that are really underused, or you know, pets that are in the wrong category, or making you know AI adjustments, things like that. Like maybe minions, like for the example, or, minions and imps. Yeah, like looking at why they're not actually casting spells. You know, why are they useless when they yeah, could make a them lot of, make them like more bar, interesting? Bar prowlers not working, and you know, people yeah, wanting re- a, sorry, people wanting a debuff pet at one twenty, and j- just small changes like that. Yeah, they were reduced. Um, right when the dungeon came out and maybe so we can definitely look at those adjustments the otug is another one that used to be insane when it did its poison on its aoe without attacking anything really and now you rarely see them right you know i I think we should probably move on a little bit and (laughs) nexus technically houses but i think oceans i think you guys have so much stuff going on in the oceans that i think it's worth kind of digging into a little bit because it's it's crazy. Well, be, be, before we I've skip, got, houses, got, just, what's the ETA yeah, on, one on these damn things? <laughs> <laughs> on houses? What houses? I was working on them today. Houses are really frustrating to work on. Um, I'm working directly with Vorspire on a utility that basically allows me to build the house, and then I click the house, and it's generated as code. But right now... I build the house, I import it into the multi, I import the multi into the game, I add the door, I add the sign, and then I click each individual rectile and rectangle, and then if it has a courtyard, I have to add that differently, and then, you know, shit just doesn't line up when I bring it back into the game. So, I know you just want the baby and not the labor pain, but that's there's like a lot of labor pain with houses, especially because there's 30 some odd or 27 houses in this patch. It's another instance of me being able to build things quicker than code can be made for them. And I teased these houses a long time ago when there was like four made and, you know, I made a little tiny square screenshot and showed only one and like put a little garden around it and dropped it in chat. And ever since then, I've been like, when are houses? When are houses? When are houses? And it's just like nonstop bombardment people asking for these houses. So they're in the works. I don't know. I've got an alternate question. When are you going to release sizes? For these houses it'll all be when the houses are released they'll all be ready on the wiki and all those sizes will be there plus plus pricing and secures and everything else that goes along with them and the individual like first floor second floor third floor photos that expo did for the wiki that'll all be done right all right because i know i've got a few newer guilds going hey we're looking at building our first guild house and we want to use one of the new houses but we don't know how big of an area we need to secure right. i always tell None them, of them are 32 by 32 I think the biggest one is 24 by 24. They're not really large. No new like 30 by 30s or super compact. Another thing that I want to address is houses that have weird layouts or don't have a front door or like the orc fort that doesn't have doors definitely needs to change. And the large prevalian compound needs to change. Like The one with the tower and 17 rooms and 75 stairs. Yeah, Gaz's Gaz's house. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which I laugh at every course. time I'm there. Like, why did you choose this house? Like, I, I didn't build that house. I just ripped it off of Andaria, and it I didn't get into a house. But I guess it fit the plot. That's exactly <laughs> well. it. It fit the plot perfectly. Yeah. And then some houses that don't have stairs between the lower level and the top level on the inside, but they do on the outside. 
I imagine that those would be like vendor shops. You know, you'd leave the bottom door public and the upstairs door closed. And that's how you would utilize your house. Um, so you have your private stash upstairs. But I don't think people do that. Like I, I had mixed mixed perceptions of how people wanted to use their house. And then now I've built all these houses just with open layouts and stairs from level to level and, you know, nothing complicated. It's they're just straightforward houses. And then I'm going to be going back to look at the houses that I did build to see if I can make them more straight. All right. Now we can talk. Yes. Oceans. (laughs) After Jack got none of the advanced planning that he wanted. Sorry for me. I've got my house. I'm happy. So I, I mean, yeah, just, just, Take us into it, Owen. I'm not even yeah. going to ask you any specifics. Let's just just take us into the ocean. I think that the ocean systems that we have in place are really amazing, but they've been kind of underrepresented. We have a really dedicated, lovely group of ship people. Um, that who was played ship, guys. Ship. ship shitty people. <laughs> ship people who have um, played this system and utilized it and... They love it and they've made the most of it and they have their houseboats and they decked out their own boats and it it's a wide reaching system already, but there have been some fundamental flaws that we want to address. One being that once you lose a ship, you've lost it forever and they're really expensive and that's prohibitive for making that system larger and more approachable for a lot of people. And I think people want to get out on the oceans, but the thought of losing a ship that they've spent that much time on is like you know, forever losing your aspect gear. Like imagine you leveled to 12 and then one other person killed you and then you lost your aspect forever. That's essentially what happens to a person when they lose a ship right now. So one main thing that we're adding is ship salvaging, which will allow players to return um, back, get part of their ship back. So they haven't, they're not starting at zero every time. And I think that will allow players who are interested in the system to jump into it with a bit less apprehension than they've had before. So that's one big part of it. Um, we're also adding ocean bosses, which I think are basically done. Luthius ran some tests on the test shard and people played it and loved it. Um, that's right up his alley. You can only imagine what a ship boss looks like if you've played the regular bosses. We also have new rewards for players through fishing maps, fishing nets, uh, messages in a bottle, and fishing spots, which are largely ignored because they haven't been very productive or, or worth player time. Also, aquariums are finally coming in, which are fun aesthetic items for you to display the fish that you've caught. We also have some new fish, a um, bunch of new artwork there. That's new... the sole reason why I bought a boat last week. <laughs> I'm going to learn the ship content because I need this aquarium. Yeah, the aquariums are cool. They're animated and diable and just three different backgrounds. We'll have one default and then you can grab a few others in the prevailing merchant if you want to change it that way. And ship upgrades, um, a few different changes there. And also a new system called ship crew member loyalty, which will allow players to upgrade their crew members and potentially add some specializing features there. We'll see how that system evolves, but I think the we definitely have noticed that people love min-max, especially players that are still playing you out this time. They really want to, you know, get the best pet stats and get the best, you know, proc ability and most damage and best pets and all of those sorts of things tie in. And now ships are getting that with their, their loyalty system. Anyway, it's like a, it's a wide reaching upgrade update for a system that really hasn't seen any patches since its inception and introduction. 
There are also some bugs that we need to address, like long-standing bugs where ships can get locked together and then they crash, which is even more devastating because you can't recover your ship after it's sunk. So all kinds of things. I think, yeah, I think this is awesome. I think there's a lot of good stuff here. Um, So correct me if I'm wrong. uh, The smallest ship right now is one MCD. Yeah. And it goes upwards from there. And I, I think I read here that you're going to try and bring down those those costs. Is that getting rid of MCDs or just drastically dropping the MCDs from the cost of the ship? Or, or how's that going to play out? I think right now we're removing the MCD cost for the smallest ship so that you can get out on the seas and get rolling, get sailing, jump into the system that way. But then upgrades will still require MCD. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I've got the third best ship in BB and it's not that great. And even that is a million gold ship right now. Yeah, I, I could have... Imagine, I mean, I've heard stories of what Trin rolls around with, and it's got to be... I, I can tell first, tell you firsthand that Trin rolls around with a lot of ships that are extremely fast and will kill you fast. Yeah, it's it's scary out there. I think how about, also people don't realize just how many people are out on the sea. And it's like you don't see them because you're not in dungeons and they're not doing bosses and they're not at PvP events. But, you know, at any given time, there can be... You know, twenty to thirty players on boats out in the ocean—they're all attacking each other. It's like a wild, it's a wild, wild oceans out there. Yeah, and they've all got some kind of weird, uh, like they don't kill each other. Well, they kill each other, but they don't—they don't sink boats. Right. They have a an honor system. Gen- gentlemen's, gentlemen's. Yeah. Well, there's a couple cool. that will sh- sink your boat, and they are well known, and they will get their boats sunk back. And you can see that in Ship Channel all the time. But otherwise, it's all ransoming, and I honestly love the ransom idea. Oh, and yeah, how about yeah. ship control? Because I know there's a there's a lot going on when you're out on ships. There's a lot of different things. You're controlling crew members and where you're aiming and the ship itself. And is there any overhauls coming to that part of the system? It's always been weird to me that the arrows don't line up with the direction that you actually go. Like sometimes even I'm doing support <laughs> when I hop onto a boat and I have to like go park it and they're like what why doesn't this why doesn't this make sense <laughs> I brought it up with Luthius and it's just the way they designed it but I don't know I don't know if there's any changes in store for that the system's really Luthius's baby I have very little input and even knowledge of it I'll be the first to admit that the ship world isn't my area of expertise on the shard so, I agree those arrows I wish they like because. Yeah, they're weird. I agree. You just uh, forward is always the way your boat's going, and you right. I'd I'd prefer like west is west, east is east. You know, but whatever. Yeah, I prefer if the arrows you clicked made your boat go that. Some people are asking for too much. Um, you got your mounts on. I know. I I just like I can't ask for anything for like another year. I got mount breeding, and I'm just gonna sit back and. Now, one thing that I saw in here was the. Ship construction and salvage, if it's sunk by an enemy player, that enemy player has a 10% chance to be salvaged by the enemy player captain instead of by you. Right. Uh, I saw one person asking, or multiple people asking, is that uh, like a cumulative 10%? So if you have 10 items, they're going to get one for sure, or is it 10% per item? So if you have really good RNG, you keep everything... If you are like me and roll ones, and you uh, lose everything. <laughs> I think it'll be a 10% chance of them getting everything. So 10% on each item. Yeah. Okay. But you can see clarification on that. Honestly, I'm not sure. Is there is that a roll on the ship itself as well? 
I think so. Yeah. yeah, that's what it says. And then the salvage costs, I mean, I'm looking at the picture here, you know, a thousand gold and one crew member for tavern connections, which is a pretty good upgrade. That's a very minor price to pay. Is it intended to stay as a pretty minor price to pay if you get sunk? And that's, you know, honestly not a big deal. Or are you guys looking to turn it into more of a gold sink? Tie it to, like, if it's a galleon, it's times 20 or whatever it is now with double. I wish Luthius could hop on and talk about ships, to be honest. It's Copy I, that. I, I would be talking out of my ass more than usual if I made any comments on the ship system beyond what I've already said. All that's right. Fair. Next, that's next fair. week we interview <laughs> Luthius. Yep, have, yeah. a sh- have a ship ship session. Yeah, and then I'll ask him if we can get the balloons to count towards chain unlocks. <sighs> good luck. Oh, yeah. That'd be good. Uh, that's a- balloons for chain unlocks and aspect XP because the gold these ship members have out there is not very much. So bosses are just randomly anywhere in the ocean, or are you going to kind of have zones for those, Owen, or, or how are those going to spawn? They'll be random. We don't want players knowing exactly where they're going to spawn, so the whole ocean kind of becomes a playing field for those. So then you're going to need scout boats out there looking, and it's that's pretty cool. That really removes yeah, we're gonna, any chance of we're camps. ghost cam boats, cam, camming bots. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> wait till someone has a macro that they can drop their boat in, and you know, talk themselves all the way around to scan the whole whole world. It's coming. You can't hide at the sea, though. If I could guess one player that would do that... I'll name names as Jewel. I wasn't going to say Jewel, but that website that Jewel made is great. I know that's a resource <laughs> that a lot of people use. Outlandstreasures.com? Absolutely. Yeah. There's also... While you're, uh, while you're there, do your lore, lore notes and get on there. There's also Outlandsnursery.com, which is being made right now by a player who... Yeah, he's in CFC. It's... I hate plants because uh, uh, the original BB <laughs> Guild House had ten trillion plants in it. Thank you, Papa <laughs> Carl. Yeah, um, yeah. He's going to extend it from plants to also include mounts. A resource there for. Yeah, I'm going to turn the BB sandstone into my own mount breeding ground. Sorry, guys. The BB marble thirty by thirty. No, the sandstone. The marble <laughs> was owned by Nat Ryle. Just yeah, make I've the, got the marble. Just make the marble into a, a barn. Speaking of marble, can we just get rid of that tile altogether? It's hideous. It's really hard to build with. <laughs> it's really, really difficult to build with. That's why there aren't any new marble houses, because it's just not very inspiring. Well, I didn't pick the marble. That was Stormy Daniels. Yeah, I don't know why yep. Stormy chose that one. <laughs> I think it, it fit. It fit. Ostentatious. It was a pretty, I had to move over all my stuff for him, for him to get in there, and I think that's just what fit. I mean... It's like one of five 30 by 30s, and he chose that one. <laughs> it is what it it's is. A, it's the smallest big one, though. I think it's like 31 by 30. Not There's not a 32 right. in there. Right. All I know is I would love that fountain to be moved to like the roof somewhere, so that way we have more room for all the freaking pets. Right. All right. I can see making that change. We'll have to get Luthius on to talk more about boats maybe next time. Uh, Strangelands, 5% complete, so it's a new... Once a week instance type thing. Strange Lines was something that Luthius probably got. I think he got fed up working on the PvP patch, and he's like, "Hey, I made this," and he dropped all of this like pre-concept gump stuff into staff chat, and we all just went, "What? Like, where do you find the time to do this? Where? Like, what is this? Where did this come from?" I kind of love it. Um, I know one 
of course people are going to go, oh, what about this? I can complain about this. Um, they're like, well, it's not guild-based. You're not going to know who you are, but you're going to be in voice with them, and you're going to go, hey, I'm a sorcerer. Yeah, where exactly. are you at? There's always the problem. Oh, for sure. Those problems with people grouping up. like The idea of doing uh, like a Hunger Games event or a Battle Royale, it's, the issue is that you know, one group will just come in and dominate it because they are grouping up when it's really supposed to be anonymous and 1v1 and, you know, whatever. Uh, we see that in, you know, tournaments and people dying intentionally or, you know, alts and PvP events, all sorts of things. It's just out of our control. So we have to imagine, you know, or, or give people the benefit of the doubt that they'll play the game sort of within the confines and, you know, hopefully will be anonymous. And, you know, if you group up, you group up, but you'll definitely be up against other groups that are grouping up so in that sense there's some balance uh basically yeah, this is like a this is a battle royale system only very yeah. much a, a uo flavor over all of that yeah it's battle royale in the sense that um it's anonymous and it's last man standing and you start with a character who's nothing and work towards a stronger character and you find gear as you go but there's no shrinking map so the world the map will just stay the size that it is. It's already quite small, quite condensed. It was a map that I originally built for um, UO Ancorp for their zombies event, which is where a lot of this base code comes from as well. It was a system that Luthius was working on there. The problem with UOACZ was that it moved too far away from base UO mechanics. Like to attack something, you didn't just attack it as you normally would in UO. You had to do something else. So he stripped all of that back and Strangelands is kind of an evolution of that, but a simplified version. And we're reusing that map that I made there. Initially, we wanted to get this out for Halloween, but we'll see if that happens. I think it's a good, you know, Halloween idea, but we've got a lot, as you can see. Yeah, this reminds me too. Um, I think it was the Prev GM was trying to code a system similar to this. I've, I saw him in some other discords, and I think he posted it on Outlands at one point, like kind of like where you pick your pick your template and you can upgrade and, and this and that. Yeah. Trying to take UO in a different direction. We'll see. I think this will be fun. I think it's a, a different approach to the way you can play UO. And I think it'll be a fun mini event for players to jump into. It's not something that we have right now. Um, in terms of mini events, like we don't have capture the flag. We don't have free for all. We don't have whatever, what we're going to introduce. See how it goes. I think this is like, this is like PVP events for like, PVMers that don't want to get yelled at over voice. Yeah, exactly. There's a bit more concept around it, and there's a opportunity for you to have some good luck or find a really good item or do it all anonymously, and no one will ever know who you are. I think it should be enjoyable. Oh, I love it. Uh, I might eat this up. This all sounds really cool. I built the map. <laughs> <laughs> That's my only no, but- contribution. I'm looking at the map now. The map uh, isn't bad either. I took, I just took parts of the original OSI map and destroyed them. All right. So new player experience. We already talked about that. Yep. Um, I think the only thing there is someone asked, or I'm curious about, are you getting ideal target skills from players' ideas and what everyone's using now, or is that? I'm guessing that's how you're getting it. Yeah. There's definitely. Like, I don't know if you remember during beta or if you were around, Luthius made, like, a templates page to try to encourage people to use the weird skills that he'd given purpose to. 
like adding taste ID or you know, blacksmithing on a warrior tracking. Or oh, I remember this whatever, thread. like all of those things. And he had, you know, cool little graphics and he was really trying to pitch things that he thought was, was cool. And it was the whole reason why he developed all of those extra skills into that had purpose. But there's definitely been a few key templates on Outlands. And I think we're going to draw from them. We're looking at actual templates. So we're not steering people into some weird world where, you know, they should take lumberjacking to 120 because that's just like a world of hurt if you don't really want to chop logs. So we'll be putting in like actual utility-based templates that players can choose from. Yeah, it seems like every new player that comes in is the first thing they say is I'm going to take lumberjacking or blacksmithing or mining to 100, 120. Right. I, I have to, I have to spend the five minutes to say here, do tracking. It's the same bonus and you're done in an hour. Right. Or here, let me introduce you to the three people that have hit 120 lumberjacking. It's yeah. is that, is there that many. <laughs> yeah, it's not that many. It's a, a niche world out there. Those high end gatherers. I think yeah. a lot of those players might be Renaissance era players that like know those mechanics. Right. Add lumberjacking to swords and you get that huge bonus and, and things like that. So, but screw that grind. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had a lumberjack up to I think sixty five, and now that character's a bard. Sixty five? You didn't even go to seventy? No, nah, I got bored. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I give people credit if they're going all the way up high levels of lumberjacking but i'll also put them in jail if they're doing an afk so thank you take your we appreciate you owen yes more jails the better (laughs) a lot of people don't that jail cell number one is packed right now awesome do they get to hang out together or (laughs) yeah they all talk to you at some point i pop by and they're like all having a chat about how you know they didn't do anything wrong or they're petitioning no for freedom or someone I saw one guy set up a macro and he would like run to all four corners and at each corner he'd say something different and it was a different text to you. Like he really put some effort into changing his macro to be a jail macro instead of a gathering macro. Imagine that was, people that are good at gathering macros are good at jail macros. Yeah, it was it was pretty funny. It was like, please help me, it's insane. Like it stinks in here with all these other people. Like, I'm sweating like crazy. I feel insane. It just went around and around and around. <laughs> Hopefully Expo got that on video for the next shard happens. Oh, yeah. We'll see. All right. Classic Dungeons. This is so something when, I'm excited about. When's Hithloth getting released? That's actually in Cavernum now, if you wanted to yeah, go and do that. I'm I think we'll probably do Deceit first, even though... Expo wants me to do shame, but seat won the poll. I think that was everyone's favorite dungeon on OSI, like on the classic map. Just level three, the liches. Yeah. The lich we'll, wall. We'll, basically, what I want to do is port the dungeon as was and spawn it the same way and bring in mobs who have the same AI, no extra difficulty, no extra damage, almost as a way to like show how shitty that was compared to what we've done with our dungeons. And I'll show you ungrateful bastards. Yeah, like I'll prove to you that what you 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 know you're longing for, what you've asked for, was really not that fun. Um, in a PVM sense, I know why PVPers want it because those mobs were no threat, easy going. It was all mounted, and you could recall in right up next to the guy farming, and yeah, so hit him with the alley for three hits, and then yeah, yeah we'll do can... that. And it's and it's kind of like a it's a it's a test to see if that's 
more popular than the systems that we have in place. You know, well, they can have fun killing themselves in there. I'll be where I can stealth around. Yeah, or hop to a dungeon gate if you want to. You know, those sorts of mechanics that we have in place aren't always really well received. Uh, that's been an ongoing conversation that we've had, which is a topic for another conversation. But basically what I'm going to do is cut the entrance out of the original map and drop it into the black and make it look like it's faded into the stars, you know, in a very UO way. And then on the Outlands map, there will be a star portal that will always be in the same place and it will take you to a different lobby for whatever dungeon we have open. So for Deceit, we'll have the, you know, mountain entranceway and that'll be cut out and you can enter in and out of that lobby area back to the Outlands map. And then the original dungeon entrance will exist as was, and you can enter into the dungeon, go through the three levels or whatever it might be. And, and you. So what are you going to do to the first person that drops a caravan in the classic dungeon <laughs> area? Kill them. Yeah. I have no experience with, with OSI or the original dungeon. So this all sounds great to me. Uh, just being able to get in there and, and see what the mobs are like, what the old dungeons are like and, and walk around. Yeah, I think there's a lot of nostalgia for people who had played UO for 21 years before they found Outlands. And there's also going to be some exploration for people who who hadn't. I mean, even looking at the map, I'm like, wow, this is so... Like, I just want to get in and change it. It's so boring. It's so flat. It's really not that interesting. They're, they all look exactly the same to me. There's limited deco. It's it's really not that appealing. So Very I'll have to, 97. Yeah, absolutely. And a computer generated. I'll have to have some restraint to keep it authentic in that sense. As much as I just want to dive in and rebuild them all in the same sense that... Well, uh, could you do like a... If, it, if it's there, I don't know how long to keep them in. A week. If they're in the week, then you know, the first three days are classic. And then outlands. it kind of fades <laughs> kind of into the Outlands version. All over it and we'll see yeah, they it like redeco it, make shit hard, add a boss. I don't know. Yeah, we're going to do um, champ spawns in the classic sense as well, which I know a lot of people have been asking for. So we'll we'll see how all that sticks. Uh, do you have any thoughts? Thoughts on how those will spawn or, or come to be? I think probably just with frequency. I know people will want to do it, so we'll make them happen. Probably. So for people like Matt Ryle, champ spawns, you kill the slimes and they turn into ratmen and turn into orcs and turn into ogres and eventually you're killing like poison elementals before the champion spawns. It's like wa- waves of spawn. It, Sounds like a shrink. I know a lot of people are exp- excited about champs. You know, it's just a, some sort of end game content that will hopefully be like constant rotation. They can do more often than a boss. Yeah. I was someone suggested once every four hours, and I was like, yeah, sure, let's do that. Let's just make this happen really frequently. There's also a mechanic with the altar and candles, and once you yeah. fill all the candles, then the, the champ spawns. So, uh, so what are we dropping? Time I quit. Power scrolls? What are we doing here? Well, we'll see. We haven't we haven't decided what that's going to look like. We don't have power scrolls, um, so maybe that could be where those land. You know, people will be after plus one taming scrolls, or plus, probably not plus. <laughs> that could be that the introdu- introduction. Of- that's. I mean, that's. This is a ton of content. I mean, I know there's a couple other things: guild summoning dungeons, omni bosses, you know, zero percent stuff, and I'm sure we'll we'll hear more about that. Um, 
but I think we've covered so much tonight. Um, unless you want to go deeper down this rabbit hole. No, I'm 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 good to draw the line here. Uh, we left a lot of those zero percent oh. things on the pipeline because we've talked about them or teased them or you know mentioned them long ago, and we just wanted players to know that we haven't forgotten about them. It just happens to be where they. Was the one I, very next two are the ones I wanted to talk about too. Okay. Omnibus system overhaul isn't something that I can really address um, right now. Yeah, yet. But that's definitely, I mean, there's so much about the Omnibus that I don't like, and it hasn't turned out the way that I'd hoped. And, you know, through tweaks and changes and everything else, it hasn't quite found its spot yet. You mean because T8s are better? Yeah, because I fucking hate the lore note system. Don't tell anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Then, uh, many summons. Are you thinking that's just going to be another gold grind, or are you thinking an item drop that? You combine with a purchasable item as a gold sink. And right now, I think it'll be gold, simply because I think it makes sense that we give players the opportunity to summon a mini at 50% of what they would summon a boss for. So just utilize that same framework that's already in place. It's not as fun. you know. I, w- I would love to have a fragment system or some item that drops because people that aren't in a guild can then contribute to it. You know, It gives them some economy right. and an item to trade, and that's interesting. They could sell them and... Yeah, the yeah. little token think, system is what I was thinking would work. I have really all neat. kinds of like controversial ideas and how to change the boss system, but that's um, regional bounty contracts. I think are going to be fun. That is something that I need to do when my hands in a little bit better shape, so I can get back to mapping. But there are certain areas of the world that I want to reinvigorate, like points of interest that aren't used, and make them into major hunting zones. And then when you get a contract, that zone's activated and hard mobs spawn, and it. Be, uh, a hot zone for players to farm and then once you complete your contract you can summon a boss overland yeah so, no i'm way into this uh this sounds a little more solo oriented but it gets people uh gets people to this very cool overworld that sometimes doesn't get a whole lot of use yeah for sure there's a lot of a lot of places overland that are underutilized there are some really hot spots that people do go to but really it's like there are a few demons there the world's not really not really used you know people are going to level three or they're doing bosses and that's the challenge and the rest is you know for new players or young players and that definitely has a place but i think that the direction for that could change too you know if young players are saying like what dungeon should i go to always used to be ossuary like head there but then ossuary became such a hotbed for player killers so people weren't recommending ossuary and i think you could say like oh go to you know, the ghostly lumberjacks and go to uh, Druid Glade and go to here and there. And that's where we'll send new players. And the rest could definitely, you know, see a bit more challenge. But those set hunting zones, um, right now I'm aiming to have eight regional areas that are really buffed for players to go and fight once they have their contract. And then also uh, another set of bosses like the Lord to tackle overland could definitely be solo or a group. Um People who are frustrated with the amount of PKs and dungeons will find some respite in these bounty contracts. They'll be able to recall or get away or pause their progress or, you know, not tackle it all at once and get away from people who are bothering them if they so choose. I think this is an interesting direction for PBM on the shard. It's like an in-between between dungeons and, you know, the Omniboss and everything else. It's, it slots in into the... All right, Owen, thanks, thanks a lot for your time. Uh, this has been great. Uh, your little practice run before Saturday's real, real, real <laughs> yeah. show. 
So, yeah, we, we greatly appreciate you you hopping on and, and, and chat with us, going over all these these cool features. We can't wait to play. Expo said, hold some stuff back. I was like, what can I hold back? Like, it's already out there. There's, there's nothing I haven't already shared or talked about or put in the pipeline anyway, but I'll, I'll try to add some new juicy details to the dev debrief. But thank oh, you very man. much. You're going uh, to make I me listen always... to it? <laughs> <laughs> I could always put this out Saturday for a podcast. No, no, one. go ahead. Thank you very much for having me. It's um, it's always a pleasure chatting with you guys. And as always, I appreciate what you're doing with Inside Outlands and, and your community support. We're really proud that we have people that care enough to put out a podcast. So thank you for, for your time. and for Thanks for the awesome world. Hey. Yeah. Onwards and upwards and, from uh, here. Hey, you know, we're, we're here we're almost to one year. Well, what's the one year date? October 27th. It's coming up. Yeah. It's coming yeah. up really close. So. All right, we, we had a bunch of community responses to get to. I think we're out of time today. We do want to cover these, so just we'll just start dropping these in each show as, as we get to them. Uh, that question was, let us know what you want to see come to Outlands. You just saw what developers are bringing, but a lot of you have some really cool ideas. So we'll we'll, we'll get to these, uh, time permitting, next time, I hope. Um, I was going to say, I think we covered a lot of them already. Yeah. Going yeah, through all that because wow, uh, you got you got anyone to say Ace or Jack before we go? No, I'm just I'm still taking in all this content. I, I mean, you can read it, you can look at the pictures, but having Owen here explaining it, it's just been so awesome, and I really appreciate him coming in, and I can't wait to play some of these new areas and systems. Yeah, all I imagine is just the, the fun shit my guild and I are going to get and to try to do all this stuff and unlock all this stuff. So can't wait. Yeah, I'm going to have to take a week off from me too. <laughs> Just wait for the next pipeline. I can only, never mind. This PG, <laughs> PG 13 ish podcast. Have a good night uh, guys. Stop. Go to our website, insideoutlands.com. Uh, we'll have a link to show notes there, a link to our discord and you can hang out and talk to us and uh, give us our feedback there. Listen to us live. Like, like you did tonight. Thanks everybody. See y'all next week.